Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to The Playlist Podcast, a discussion about film news and other film-related items. I'm Ryan Oliver, and today I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief Rodrigo Perez. Rod, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, and uh, on this episode, we're going to try something uh, a little different. We're going to start with a review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then we'll be going into our first in a new line of segments that we're going to be adding to The Playlist Podcast. Um, this is a top five segment entitled High Five, and to coincide with Ant-Man and the Wasp, we will be discussing our top five insect movies. And for that segment, uh, I'll be joined by a guest. I'll be joined by Jenny Nolf, who's a writer at the Austin Chronicle and the co-host of the No Excuses podcast. Uh, and before we get into our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, I just want to remind everyone that if you're a fan of this podcast, to please subscribe to the Playlist podcast feed over on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, where you can get new episodes of this podcast, as well as adjust your tracking and over under movies, among others. Uh, and be sure to drop us a comment, rating, email, or just let us know that you like listening to us because we enjoy doing this. Um, so without further ado, uh, we'll get into Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is out this weekend, uh, which is the 20th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, it's the second Ant-Man film. Uh, it's once again directed by Peyton Reed, who um, kind of had the daunting task of taking over uh, the first film from Edgar Wright, which we all know he sort of uh, infamously bowed out after he had uh, creative uh, clashing with Marvel over that, um, which I think uh, Peyton Reed did okay for the first film, all things considered, but you can definitely feel uh, Wright's shadow cast over it. Um I don't think the plot of this new Ant-Man film would hold together under scrutiny, but I think it's a much better film than the first Ant-Man. Um, I think it's much funnier. The action sequences are a lot more creative. They're fun. Uh, the cast is excellent, uh, most notably Michael Pena and Randall Park, uh, which we can get into later, which I think you mentioned in your review as well. Um, yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're fantastic. And for for a movie that has five different screenwriters, it never felt like it did. Um like Spider-Man Home. Sort of. Sort, sort of. Okay. Sort of, the, yeah. the plot mechanics, maybe. But in terms of, like, tone, it yeah, felt it's correct. A, it's, a, it's a very seamless kind of right. uh, tone. And and even story, it's just sort of the, the inner workings of all the other things, uh, the little things going on. There's kind of... Uh, it gets a little thorny a little bit here and there. Sure. But I wanted to bring up Spider-Man Homecoming, um, most notably because yeah. that movie had uh, six screenwriters. Uh, also had a lot of screenwriters um, and it's a movie that I think people like mainly for the fact that it is kind of uh, smaller scale, smaller stakes uh, and that it's more of a full blown comedy than a lot of the Marvel movies. Um, and I don't think you or I were huge fans of that movie in particular. Like there's just yeah, kind no. of like, like it felt really forced. There was too much like, like Iron Man babysitting the character, which kind of felt like a metaphor for the whole movie. Like it just never had yeah. a chance to really, bust out and um it, do it doesn't feel that way with ant-man and the wasp like it feels pretty seamless in tone it's it's funny um and uh, I, I found this movie like so and i i just recently rewatched spider-man homecoming oh um, really just for the hell of it yeah damn um 
and uh you know it's i don't know if it's it's fine i guess um but like it's Ant-Man is so much funnier like i was laughing out loud i mean you saw it with me we saw it together we we were laughing our asses off you know that's true and, yes. and and spider-man homecoming i got like a couple chuckles here and there and that's it totally i'm right there with you like i i i and i can't even remember for the life of me the moments but like i do remember chuckling a couple times but there were there were moments in this movie that are just like i was i was cackling like audibly and uncontrollably like it It was was, like laugh out loud funny right yeah in a way that i didn't expect like just found myself like laughing really really hard agreed and i think the the movie's sort of uh themes about like fathers and children or like or parents and children or like surrogate parents and children um i don't know it's like the the small stakes no pun intended uh of that felt really refreshing i guess like like you know i really liked infinity war as we discussed on a previous episode but these movies do get to feel like you know think they're they're getting to their seams sort of like they're, they're sort of stretching and expanding uh, and getting maybe maybe a little too big for their britches, and so it's it's nice to have something that's felt a little smaller, but also like the themes really resonated. Like even if the yeah, story was, clunky I think that's at times, what Marvel's. Sorry, I, no, no worries. Uh, I think that's what Marvel's kind of really good at to to, to get on your point is like they are like you know this is kind of like a fathers and daughters movie, you know. Yes. Um, and and uh, you know you got Scott Lang worried about Casey. You've got. Um, uh, 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 Hank Pym and, and his daughter and that relationship, how it's growing. And then I guess you've also got, which is not fathers and daughters, but like the, the mentor father figure of, of, um, of Hank and, and, and Scott. And yeah, it's like Marvel's really good at kind of like, okay, this is going to be our movie, but it's going to be sort of almost kind of about this. Whereas, you know, black Panther is just like, you know, it's sort of the political stuff. There's sort of reclamation of a birthright is kind of what it's about. And then there's all the the cool stuff around it, but they always seem to have that kind of thing that that sort of hooks the movie thematically. Um, and it's simple and it works, and it's not overly done, it's not overly complicated, but it gives it the right amount of texture. And and yeah, I mean, they're just really good at that kind of thing. Yeah, I would agree, and I thought they did it in a way that and, and it's important. And I think like I, it's interesting. I was talking with a coworker about this today a little bit. Um, in regards to Infinity War, we were talking how we both like that movie, and he's like, you know, the plot of that movie is pretty simple, and I'm like, I agree, but it's it's oh, because totally, yeah. but it's because the characters are so well defined, and their personalities are so well defined, and their inner personal stakes are so well defined, and that's why it works. And it's sort of like how I feel with this movie, where it's like, you know, again, it's a little sloppy in the storytelling at times, but because the goals of these characters are so well defined and their characteristics are so well-defined that we're a hundred percent on board, um, their journey. I, I thought they did a great job with it. And, um, also it's under two hours. That's yes. really, really <laughs> refreshing. Uh, uh, although it's almost two, right? It's barely almost two, but I mean, I, okay. I was going to say, if you count credits, it's, it's, it's probably like an hour 50, but then you want to stay for the credits. Everybody stays for the credits for the Marvel movies. Right. And the Mar and those credits for these kinds of movies in general, are like seven or eight. They're almost like ten minutes long. These oh days. yeah, they, well they have all the special so many effects. Special effects, yeah. yeah. Like like that's it's it's interesting when you see a movie and people go like they kind of groan. Oh, it's like two hours and thirty minutes. It kind of almost means these days that the movie's actually two twenty because yes. credits and the intro credits and everything is just like 
it's so long these days. I mean, credits at the end are just long. Yes, they do. They take a long time. And especially, again, for these movies, not just because of the amount of special effects in the movies, but because we have to watch, you know, as writers and podcasters, we have to watch the mid-credit sequence and we have to watch right, the end-credit sequence. Yeah, yeah, of course. But even in this movie, the, 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 there's two end-credit sequences and they're both, they're fairly short. But as yes. far as Marvel uh, uh, end-credit sequences go, they're they're short, they're brief, and, uh, you know, one of them is kind of completely like just superfluous like oh yes um which might be a good time to swing into like a brief spoiler section unless you have any other non-spoiler thoughts you want to discuss uh, for this i mean movie. i guess the one thing i just really also kind of like about it is that like you know everyone's got their thing right like every character's kind of got their thing like you know like if it's um you know captain america is a man um his character now is a man who's kind of his belief system's kind of shattered right he grew yeah. up being like a person who who's a who's a who believed in fighting the good guy you know were the good guys versus the nazis life was really simple for him and over the course of maybe i don't know it's probably a decade in in this new world he's come to realize that he's not sure who are the good guys and who are the bad guys anymore and that's like he's and he's kind of walked away his you know his belief system is kind of shattered at the end of uh, civil war and and we see the the after effects of that in infinity war even if it's not very uh uh um, pronounced, you can still feel it. You understand that he's been in hiding. He's been like, you know, essentially checked out of the world. He's a criminal. Um, so that's his thing. Right. And then, and then like, everyone's got their thing and like Scott Lang, you know, like, does he have much of a thing? He kind of does. It's like, he's got the classic kind of criminal thing to him. Like, you know, he's like almost this, it's not like quite recidivism, but like everyone considers him, uh, 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 an f up, you know, and I'm only saying that because my kid's like laying next to me, I'm, like trying to listen. Sure. Um, but but uh, um, you know what I mean. And people like he's all he's kind of like constantly messing up and and kind of constantly letting people down in a way. And and he's kind of always having constantly to redeem himself in a way that like you know almost like someone who's like you know you committed a crime, you've kind of always got that stain on you, right? And people always kind of like you know it's hard to get a job, it's hard to like. And and people sort of like he's got that on him. It's like you know he he sort of redeemed himself at the end of the first Ant Man. And in this one, you know, before we get into spoilers, there's a certain thing that he does that actually everybody knows because they've seen the other movies in Civil War that that affects this movie. And so then everybody who he gained the trust of is uh, is like doesn't believe him again, and, and, and he's estranged from you know Hope and. Uh, uh, Hank at the beginning of the film, and so I think this is kind of interesting texture that that you know that he's he's constantly. And I think he's going to always have to do that. First of all, I don't think there's a Marvel hero who's like a who's a, an f up. You know what I mean? Like there's not most of these guys are like they're heroes and they know what they're doing. But he's like he kind of bumbles his way through things, whereas you know Hope is like you know very uh, accomplished and and very you know skilled and and there's no messing around. And he's sort of like you know accidentally saves the day kind of thing and I, it, it could be trite but at least it's his thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. he's like the mess up and he's always just like he's got to try and redeem himself and people don't quite fully trust him and 
it's sort of his cross to kind of bear, which I think is interesting. I I would agree. And it's also interesting how it's like more or, or different people. Like, for example, like the end of the first Ant-Man, he's won over the respect of his daughter and his ex-wife and his ex-wife's yeah. new husband. Like, and we see that in this movie that they're like, they all get along and it's great. But like now he's lost the trust uh, of Hank and Hope, which we'll get into. That spoilers. Was the, yeah, yeah, that was the one thing that kind of irked me a little bit is that. He wins the trust of his family at the end of Ant-Man, and it's hard for him to do. And then, you know, without a huge spoiler, because I think it's fairly well known, is that he's under house arrest in this movie because of the events of Civil War. Right. And it would make more sense to me that his family is like, oh, Scott, like exactly what I'm talking about. You messed up again. Like You went and did this, and now you're under house arrest. Like you – I think it would be more – poignant to have and, and maybe they just don't want to pronounce it but they're just kind of like dude you, you, we believed in you and you disappointed us again i i feel like that's core to the ant-man character and they didn't go with that for some reason and i don't understand that well the only the logical thing i could think of is that uh his his sort of uh beliefs for doing the events in civil war were, were well defined with them or like of good intentions because of, yes. of the, the the accords being bs or something like that that they were on his side for it that's that's the only yeah, thing i could think and, of it's and, a stretch. And, and possibly that like there is a bit of a fun humorous element to the way um uh Cassie's stepfather is like so into him now and, yes. and they, everyone he seems to want to be his like best friend and everyone's like told the family's like really into him now and it does admittedly provide a lot of good um uh comedic uh, uh value but um they could have mined it maybe a little bit more to to keep up with that theme of as the guy who he's like the lovable screw up you know yeah absolutely. that's kind of who Scott Lang is Absolutely. As a hero, as a father, as a person, right? And then, and then that then that sort of leads into the second theme of the movie that we sort of kind of already talked about, but just to underline it a little bit is this guy who's like trying to find balance in his life, and that because he's balancing the need of like I, I want to be I, I I you know I have this 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 suit I have this power I can be a hero I've done some really good things but I also have a, a, a like a daughter at stake here and I can't mess that up. And and so he's sort of like you know, the two are sort of in 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 uh, in contrast with one another. He his desire to want to be a hero versus his father, his need and want to be like you know a good father. And the, there's the challenges of that. And um, I don't know. Again, that might be kind of trite, but uh, it's uh, it's there and it's some theme stuff. And it, and I think it works well because the whole theme is like you know at the end of the day, Cassie means everything to him. Mm -hmm. And. And he is tested a little bit here and there throughout the movie. And the idea that like, I can do all this stuff, but if I get burned, I, I gotta be, I gotta get out of here. I, I can't, yep. I can't lose Cassie. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of a, an interesting thing that, you know, it's again, it's the Scott Lang thing. No, no other characters have that. Right. Totally. I think that makes him the most human. I think it makes him the most interesting. In a way. Of yeah. Yeah. I yeah. kind of like, I'm, you know, Ant-Man, the first one is very, it's whatever. It's very disposable. It's kind of fine. I, I remember disliking it when I first saw it. I revisited it. And I thought, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. But uh, he's kind of just really fun. He's just interesting, like mm -hmm. kind of like relatable um, kind of goof, you know? Totally. And Paul Rudd's the absolute perfect casting for, for yeah, like a lovable God. loser. He so is. He is. That's exactly who he is. He's like the lovable loser. Yeah, because he no matter how him. bad he screws up, you're like, you just love Paul Rudd so much. You're just like, ah. It's fine. It's fine. You screwed up. You'll you'll get it figured out. It's okay. Yeah, totally. 
Um, well, cool. I think we've laid out all the sort of like baseline stuff we could do before getting into spoilers. So um, let's go ahead and do it. Spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp starting right now. Yeah, actually, I'm just about to watch it now, Jack. I have already seen it. <laughs> anyway, uh, at the end, there's a very unusual twist. Oh! Oh, no! Oh, no, I know there's a twist! I'm going to spend the whole film guessing what it is! All right, Rod, how much do you want to brag that you called the tie-in to Infinity War? Or do we want to hold I guess off on that? I, I, we should hold off on it, but also at the same time, I'm coming to realize I think probably everybody figured it out, and it's not that it's not that really a thing. <laughs> sure, fair enough. But you were like, yes, I called it. <laughs> yeah, I was sort of excited at the time, but like I kind of realizing... And not, not that I've seen people talking about it online, but I'm guessing that maybe it's kind of obvious. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I I uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but I I totally forgot until we talked um, on the Infinity War episode uh, how you made that connection because I d- the, I did not remember the first Ant Man outside of uh, Michael Pena really uh, his storytelling which they revisited in this movie and it's God it's so good that's hi- highlight of the movie for me uh, is him and Randall Park as well which I think we discussed like, Randall Park is like. <laughs> so good in he's, this movie he's um also it goes with that like relatable like and that's what i liked about like with scott lang being super relatable and all the characters in this movie where like yeah uh you know there's a scene so i guess you know we're in spoilers we could say that hank and hope are are fugitives now because of the suit that scott lang used during the the events of civil war um so they're on the run um and in the midst of that they're trying to get out um uh, Hope's mother, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, out of the quantum realm. But um, Randall Park's character is the, he's an FBI agent uh, who's always constantly checking up on Scott. And uh, there's like, like Scott t- in his house arrest taught himself like how to drum, taught himself how to do like magic tricks. And he's like, Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, do, can you, can you show me how to do that? Like, how, how did you learn that? And um there's that, but also like there's a scene later where they're the FBI is gaining in on Hank and on Hope, and he just looks at Scott, who Scott made it back home in time to to sort of uh, to pretend that he has not been involved with this, and he just looks at Scott and says, "I'm sorry, but it, I needed a win. Like we all need a win. And, like you get his motivations too. Like yeah. that could have been a throwaway." comedic side character like a punchline but he's just like he's like hey like i i just i need to win i'm here to do my job and i landed a a, you know big fish in a small net so i gotta do this um right but it's not only that you're pinpointing on it's like i need a win you can tell by the way he's delivered that and the way this character because that character i mean it's like look it's funny right this guy's like it's funny he's 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 really funny he's a hilarious character but there's like like there's a tiny bit of sadness sadness and loneliness to this character right yeah and that's just kind of the great thing about it they can make this really funny thing it's just like i mean you don't think of randall park any anything other than he's just really funny in this movie but there's a sort of like you know i need a win you can tell this character is like kind of needs that not only in his professional life but in his he needs that in his life he needs that kind of thing you know what i mean and it's it's a real kind of uh, like i i life hasn't you get just from his performance and that line you get the i you it's all communicated really quickly that like you know life hasn't been that great i could use i could use a break you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the, this what this could have been. And it's really cool that you can communicate all that in just like, you know, in a, in a line of dialogue, in a, in a way of delivery 
or you know, you got you kind of get that sense because you know he's like, "What are you doing later?" He's like, "Are you inviting me out to dinner?" Like, you know, the, it, as funny as that is, it, that's what the kind of, that's great about these movies. It's sort of rooted in a little bit of reality, right? Yes. Like this ki- this guy needs something. He's he's lacking something. And anyhow, it's really tiny, but it's real. I I I'm a huge fan of that kind of writing in general. Yes, I would agree. And they do it really, really smartly well in this movie. And I think that's that's like the the big win here. Um, I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk well, the, about. Well, the other thing about that character, and I don't know if this is what you want to talk about, but um, this movie has, because it is a post-Ant-Man movie and it is a post-Civil War movie, and there's tons of stuff in Civil War that we just sort of like hinted at or mentioned that, that affect this movie, is there's so much uh, expository dialogue to deal oh God. with yeah. in this movie. And it's all it might be the best use of expository dialogue I've ever seen because it's all used and told through humor. So rather than being like, oh, God, this is a slog of expository dialogue, it's done in such a fun and hilarious way that the slog of expository dialogue doesn't feel like the slog of expository dialogue. No, it doesn't. I was going to like, there's a whole thing, right. That, that he has to like, where have you been and what happened to Ant-Man and it's all Randall park. And he just has to spit it all out, but he's so funny in the way he does it. It's, you know, it's pretty great. Yes. Or they subvert the sort of like, uh, monologue that you expect to like with a joke like but it doesn't undercut the scene in any way um yeah because i was going to talk about well one thing i was going to bring up uh that i'm surprised mm-hmm. we didn't mention is that this movie doesn't really have a villain there's some yeah. antagonists but there's no mm-hmm. central big bad villain um and yeah. almost everybody you could sense their motivation and it's great but i was going to bring up the scene uh, where we learn about Ghost and we learn about her backstory because like that's a big right. exposition dump. But then it's un- like, and then it's like interrupted by a joke by Scott Lang. I don't remember the exact joke, but it's it doesn't undercut the drama of the scene that's happening. Like it, it, right. it almost enhances it. What what feels like a very like uh, obligatory we have to dump all this information on you becomes like you said less tedious because it's done in a way that's that's either subversive or in a way that's funny. Uh, yeah, they so, have fun with it, essentially. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, we have A and B and C to deal with. These things are the – and it's it's such a smart way of looking at it. It's like, okay, these are obligatory things. We need them. We had, we need to convey them. What? How can we have fun with these things? What's the? How, how can we use this to our advantage rather than look at it as something like, okay, well, you know, we have to do these things. So, you know, like some other person might look at it as like, how do we get that out as quickly as possible and get it over with as quickly as possible? And they look at it as an opportunity. Yes. And they're like, and they actually look at it as a, as a plus, like, like what, how can we have fun with this? How can we do something with it? And there's another part in the movie where, um, Luis, uh, uh, Michael Pena's character has a sort of, another sort of speed read of what's going on in his <laughs> life. And he gets in, in, and in doing that, they drop some – it's not quite a um, uh, a total monologue of, of exposition, but if you'll notice that they do drop little nuggets of exposition or like little backstory stuff throughout that as well that helps flesh out sort of the, the story of like what's what's happened since since they've been gone, which is kind of interesting. No, absolutely, and that's another like – got another perfect example of the like of a scene we've seen a million times like the the quote-unquote torture scene like he's being tortured with true serum and then again they found it an opportunity they're like hey that really worked in the first ant-man where he would tell a story and then we would have the adr of the yeah it's it's 
it's great. But the second thing I wanted to mention, and it's like, I know they did it in Civil War, and I know they did it in the first Ant-Man, but goddamn has the de-aging technology gotten oh my so god. good. Wow. I was yes, impressed. Yes, yes. Oh my god. And I think, I don't know, it's, you know, there's so many little things to write in a review, and I think I forgot to mention that. But like, how's, how soon are we away from a whole de-aging movie? Right? Like we're, 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 I feel like we're months away from like, like Neil Blomkamp's dream of uh, Alien 5 with you know, a young Sigourney Weaver, like it, it's like, Oh, he was really, really onto something like the, the, yeah. we're there. You're well, going to be able the, to do. Isn't the new Scorsese movie, the Irishman, isn't they aren't they doing that with De Niro? And, that's and... the thing. I think that's going to be the one that like people are going to be blown away by. And I think maybe there's a lot of it. That's a, a, like a big chunk of the movie. That's done like that, mm-hmm. that we're not really, we don't really know or expect and I think that could be uh, end up being one of the first ones that really, really does it. Totally, I, um, I, I think that's because it's 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 expensive from the sound of it. Like that's it's like a hundred forty, yeah. hundred fifty million dollar movie, um, and it's Scorsese who knows his way around that the kind of technology. And, and I think that you're you're onto something. And that I think that movie is probably going to be the one that opens the doors. But like each movie that's done it, like these Marvel movies, and I know we talked when we talked Blade Runner twenty Blade Runner, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but when this movie opened and and it, it's it's um. Uh, Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, like it's getting to the point that like, oh, you know, you could do an Ant-Man and the Wasp prequel with with uh, with uh, 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 Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer starring and you could do it pretty seamlessly. It's crazy how good it is. It's 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 kind of exciting. I was like, holy I was I was shocked at how good it is. I was too. I was I was very impressed. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think what else the the constant shrinking and growing of things will never get old i mean maybe it will get old but it did not get old for me in this movie no it's also they use it in really inventive ways yes the hot wheel cars Uh, fantastic the hot wheel cars was really great um just the the sizing you know the the back and forth of it the the humor that they have with the idea that like you know you can have complications with it and then all of a sudden you know scott's too giant or now he's like mid-size he's not he's not like he's like the size of a little boy and and he's not super small and he's not an adult you know it's oh god like that right when he was like you know he was like about three feet tall or something like that or you know maybe the size of you know uh even even younger you know like he's like a like a preschooler or something that's way that mess is fantastic right yes and and i did uh, you led me into something i i thought of and we never really discussed after the fact uh or, Mm. or any exchanging emails um but i wanted to talk about how like some uh before we talk about like the infinity war connection how like some of the humor and no neither movie is is playing off or ripping off either like they were way too close in production to to do that but I found it interesting that like there there were some jokes and the deconstruction of superhero movies and tropes like this shares with Deadpool too, like especially hmm. the little boy joke where it's like okay Deadpool gets cut in half and Deadpool I guess spoilers for Deadpool too apologies <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been out for a long time at this point but yeah, um, yeah. yeah but it, like he you know he grows like the little like baby legs and that's like a huge yeah. like comedic set piece of the movie and it's funny. And but like and it's really funny in this movie, but I I don't know like I I like this movie much more than that one and like maybe because that movie just felt like it exhausted me by the end and this movie was just like kind of like a perfect perfect length perfect amount of like story perfect amount of 
humor and perfect amount of, like i don't know i felt like this movie did a good job of upending tropes just as well as deadpool 2 did without like really calling attention to itself or being like mm. meta about it it's just kind of like yeah like you know like the expository dumps where they have fun with that or like yeah. like other things like that i don't know it's just something i sort of noticed as the movie went on um i don't really have like a point to that other than it's right. just something no i don't know i think it's a good observation i i really i hadn't really thought about it uh, I had just rewatched Deadpool two with my wife not that long ago, so it was still kind of like fresh, fresh in my head going into this one. But, um, um, but yeah, so I guess we can move on to Infinity War s- stuff because you uh, sure, the, although yeah, it's like and it's like it's funny we're building up to this, but like it's not a who, big deal, but who, who like sees uh, Ant Man or or happens to watch, listen, some people I think listen even. I think some people like spoilers. I, I, every, I hear every once in a while people who like like to know what happens in the film before they see it. I uh, don't understand that. I hate but, that. Uh, but is what yeah, it is. You too. do you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But like you know, the Infinity War thing in this movie is ex- extremely you know again, pardon the pun, small. It's very like mm-hmm. you know, Scott goes into the quantum, quantum realm, and uh, uh, you know everybody essentially dies. Everybody's gone, and Scott's stuck in it. But I guess in the terms of the way I called it is, you know, know, quote unquote called it is that like I my theory. uh, uh, And again, uh, you know, I I think a lot of people maybe had this theory, too, is my my theories from from the jump of of uh, uh, after seeing Infinity War was that like, oh, well, the quantum realm is going to be extremely instrumental to um, Infinity War. And, you know, Ant-Man kind of at least hints at that because. You know, Scott is 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 trapped in the quantum realm at the end of uh, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and there's nobody there to get him out because um, uh, those people are essentially dead. Um, so, he, he, ergo, he's going to be in uh, Avengers Four. We all know that somehow someone gets him out, and that's got to be you know the idea of a quantum realm another dimension uh, a sort of a, a, a reality that, that that transcends like linear time is if you're looking for something that's like how do how do we reverse you know half of the people that are, have been killed on earth and uh and um you know uh how do we revert revert the cataclysmic events of infinity for war well something like the quantum realm seems like a, like a pretty good uh uh, a pretty good uh, um, excuse or reason to do it, right? Yeah, or at least a a logical reason within the world that these movies have set up, like not yeah, some, some yeah. like thing that would come out of left field or or a a like plot armor device of some sort where it's just like, hey, I have this thing. Let's turn back the clock and and do this. Right, like, right. No, yeah. but the thing is, the quantum realm, and since he's stuck in it, I, I'm wondering like if he's going to be like actually like kind of super. I mean, maybe he's not, you know, because it, it's still going to probably be the original Avengers and it's going to be, you know, the story of Tony and, and Cap will get more time. But I think he's going to be very, very instrumental to what to at least the very opening or beginning events of not probably not the beginning, because there's probably the, the beginning is going to be a lot of like the aftermath kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like the, the, the thing that helps them get to the next place and and what might be really interesting but again, it maybe actually maybe it won't because you and I have talked about how we're sort of dreading time travel and and alternate realities and things like that that can just sort of like conveniently like fix things yes um but for all we know spoiler alert for um for 
for everybody, I guess, but you know, uh, there has been a set photo of, um, and I try and avoid this kind of thing, but I, I just did see it at one point. There's a spoiler. There is a, a set photo from Avengers four. Um, and I think it made the rounds and I think a lot of people see it because there were stories about it. And I think that's what started a lot of the rumors, but it was the, the, uh, battle of New York from Avengers, the Josh Whedon Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the same heroes fighting, but Ant-Man is there. So it's what could be interesting is that he goes through the quantum realm and he kind of ends up back in time with these events and the same thing's going on, but he's there, um, you know, fighting alongside them in that time and knowing that, you know, he's sort of like that, that he's sort of the man out of time. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but, uh, it would be interesting if he's in the quantum realm and all of a sudden he sort of, what if Avengers four starts telling two different storylines parallel at the same time? Like so, so basically, you're saying it could be telling the the Ant Man story uh, parallel to the the sort of uh, aftermath yeah. uh, like story, or, yeah. or the the we gotta fix this, or we gotta we gotta defeat Thanos, or, or like whatever that yeah. case may be. Yeah, like what if there's like two two story storylines going on? One that is like you know what are we doing with the earth what's going on and and i don't and and maybe trying to figure out you know uh where thanos is or seeing how they can do something and meanwhile scott is in in, in the parallel uh uh storyline of and, and him trying to be like guys this is what's happened in the future <laughs> and right. we need a way to prevent this from happening and they're all like who are you you're crazy what's going on and and maybe that plays out in, in two different timelines. It could in, 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 in parallel in the movie. I think you know it. It definitely like anything is possible at this point. I'm not, I definitely, that, I'm yeah. not saying that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, think again, I, I, like you know, I'm, I'm very, very, very wary and yes. and concerned about alternate dimensions, alternate mm-hmm. realities parallel like you know like there's we, you and i talked about that when we saw the movie like uh you know dc universe had like you know the parallel earth one or two or three earth four there was the multiverse there was all these different earths with different versions of different characters and different timelines going on and you know i hated that i think you know dc kind of proved at one point that they hated it by trying to destroy it all with their crisis on infinity or uh earth uh, uh story uh comic books and it just kind of it can be really bad it can open up a total can of worms it can be make things incredibly messy it's also sort of convenient for um uh studios and 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 uh, filmmakers and people who want to like i don't know uh reboot their characters or 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 save their characters or keep their characters in an alternate dimension uh you know maybe tony stark is 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 in in another dimension for you know, 10 years because they can have him there and he's not quite, you know, he's not gone or whatever. And he's still there somewhere. We know that. Um, but it, it can be a really kind of cheap, convenient device. Um, so yeah, you and I obviously talked about that. We're both a little bit worried about that, but it's a plausible kind of scenario about like what's going on that you have this quantum realm that can create. Cause you got to do essentially we have to see some, um, whether we like it or not. And I, and I kind of detest time travel um, as a, as at least as a get out of jail thing, I think time travel movies are great. They're fun. Um, but get, get a time travel to get out of jail, um, uh, from your narrative choices and, and to, uh, renege on them, I think is a really, really bad idea. But 
what else are you going to do? You have to have to have some sort of version of going back to reverse what, you know, 90% of these characters need to come back in some shape or form or another, right? They have to, like like we've talked ad nauseum, they, some of these characters who bit the dust have their next movies greenlit, which is, yeah, it's like, it's like, (laughs) it's like Stan Lee will be in, in, in Avengers four and say, your contract, like your, uh, uh, your contract says you have to come back, you know, like you're contractually uh, obligated to be alive in this movie. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the toughest thing. And and I know you, you mentioned it, like when we left the movie, like, like, you know, we both talked about just like kind of bracing ourselves for the worst possible decision that they could make. Yeah. Um, which is, it's tough because I feel like they've done a good job because Kevin Feige is a very smart man and they've done a very Mm -hmm. good job up until this point of using the sort of serialized storytelling structure of comic books while also understanding cinematic language. Like they, they've done a pretty decent job of making things work for a feature film and this will kind of this this sort of leading into Infinity War Part Two or whatever they're going to call Avengers Four is like their sort of final test to be like, okay, are you going to go with straight comic book logic and sort of betray everything that you've set up cinematically that makes sense, or are you going to do this in a way that both is a satisfying payoff to the story while also keeping your golden goose intact? So that's. It's, it's a pretty daunting task they have. Yeah, and they've talked about, like, before, they've talked in the past, or he's talked and hinted at it, it's like, you know, it's maybe not new phase, it's not phase four, maybe it's a kind of just like a new thing, right? And that kind of sort of worries me or hints at that what's going to happen is this kind of like, you know, kind of uh, uh, kind of reboot, like this sort of like, you know, the big bang happens or something and Thanos is gone. And then, and then we realize that like, Oh, Hey, Captain America, I'm glad you're still okay. And then we turn and it's like, you know, uh, it's, it's a, it's a black guy and he, and it's always been a black guy in terms of as far as this reality is concerned or whatever, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and like, and that kind of thing. And, and everything's been sort of reshaped and remodeled and, and nobody knows the wider except for the audience in this kind of weird way. That's sort of, seems kind of terrible like oh thorette you know like it's i'm glad you you survived the events of avengers 4 like can't wait for our our ongoing adventures you know um things like that that are worrisome and problematic and totally Uh, it's it's all i don't know i haven't been as speculative but i'm i'm hoping well, it's I funny. Know. I mean, they, now we're going on an Avengers uh, <laughs> long, long tangent, but it's sort of like what, you know, in, in Ant-Man and the Wasp hints at, at the very end, because that's what the, the you know, the movie ends. The, the credit is, is Ant-Man trapped and, and the events of of, uh, of uh, Infinity War have happened and Hank and Hope and Janet are dust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like you heard audible gasps in the theater. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like it's like a five second countdown for him to get out. It's like two, and then you just hear radio silence, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" So yeah, <laughs> and then they cut back, and it's pretty cool. Like the the their their you know radios or whatever dangling, and there's just like dust everywhere. Yeah, and they're like toast, and there's that emergency. Uh, oh, it's in the next credit one, right? It's yes, the one after with that. the giant ant it, playing the drums. <laughs> yes, they cut back to the, that ant, and. um there's like sort of like the emergency broadcast radio signal system. of just yeah, yeah broadcast of just like 
tone, uh, bars and tone of like, you know, uh oh. <laughs> like, I liked I liked them showing that. Like like I, I was torn between that like final credit because I liked seeing that and you're like, oh, like shit's real and it's still like very much like very real to these characters and then it just ends on a dumb gag of a giant ant playing a electric drum set and you're like oh okay <laughs> that's fair enough you've earned it ant man at the wasp it's okay <laughs> the, the, the ant thing is still so ridiculous to me i can't believe that they've continued to have this like gigantic ant be a part of this storyline and that like everybody like doesn't it's it's almost one of the things that like even for Ant-Man almost is too ridiculous and almost breaks suspension of disbelief as crazy and as weird as these superhero worlds are. The fact that there's this ant that is kind of like this sort of dog like it's 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 really dumb. and I can't believe they've continued to, to use it. But like I'm like, OK, yeah, I, I, <laughs> like, I'm sure. And, and every it, time I see, my, I, I don't enjoy that thing. I, every time I see it, I just roll my eyes. <laughs> it, it This movie doubles down on it too. Like quite frankly, yeah. like there's, there's like a, a few sequences where there's just like multiple giant ants and you're just like, uh, okay, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I'm with you. I, I don't roll my eyes too hard at it, but I'm also like, you could completely drop this and the movie would be better for it or like nothing would change. You could just get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. It's, it's really just a, a, a a silly gag, but whatever, I guess, you know, for sure. But yeah, well, I guess it, it ends on, uh, it ends on that ant and, and the idea that, well, at least he survived. Yeah. <laughs> or who, it maybe, survived maybe, maybe that ant will be the savior of, yeah, maybe <laughs> the exactly, you're right. Like he'll like, ride in on, he'll ride in on it or something. And it'll be him and him and Hawkman or, or Hawkeye will, uh, will save the day him and auntie or whatever the hell's up. Yeah, it's called your favorite your two favorite people i'm well i'm only half joking about one of them i know you're a big hawkeye guy so <laughs> oh. i was thinking the other day i'm gonna go on a little tangent the reason people dislike hawkeye so much is he's one of the characters in the mcu who's kind of generally humorless and you haven't really he's just got like he's totally just kind of like serious and and full of conviction in this way that's just like really really humorless i can't i was trying to rack my brain and see if i could find any moments of throughout the entire mcu where uh hawkman has provided or hawkman i keep calling i don't know what's wrong with me uh where hawkeye's provided some sort of joke and i don't think he has and then i started thinking about the born legacy and how people hate that movie and how that movie's so self-serious and has no humor as well and it's a thing that people really really dislike about jeremy renner it's interesting. Uh, I, as you said that, I thought of a very humorous moment actually from one of these movies with with Oh Hawkeye. yeah, yeah, yeah. In um, in Age of Ultron, in the Sokovia battle, um, Quicksilver does something, um, and like says something snarky, and he just puts his arrow up, and he's like, "I could do it, I could do it, and nobody would know. <laughs> I could just shoot him, and nobody would know oh, about it." And right, then he makes right, like a little right. crack as he's walking around. He's like, "What happened? Oh, I don't know what happened to that little bastard or something." Like he makes a joke about it. And, uh, okay, uh, okay. But I mean, and then but the, in general, yes. In general, yes. Um, I agree. I haven't seen Tag yet, though. I don't know if he's funny in that or or um, since that's he's also in. And now we've turned this into like my favorite podcast, which is a Jeremy Renner uh, <laughs> Hawkeye podcast. Let's but do it. <laughs> he's also very funny in. Uh, 
The House. I actually uh, haven't seen that. The Will Ferrell movie? The House with Will Ferrell. That movie is awesome slash awful. Um, and it is such a good time and it is so terrible and it is so much fun. Damn it. I, well, <laughs> I was just like, I, I, I cannot say I, you cannot say that movie is great without qualifying uh, that it is terrible. It's I like understand at the same time. I, I and, like movies and, like that, but I understand. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's really fun. It's really horrible. And Jeremy Renner plays like an antagonist in it. And, um, he's, you know, really funny. I mean, he's like a, a straight guy. I think maybe that's how they use it. Uh, that's why I thought of tag because, um, or that's why when you mentioned tag, I bet you he's kind of the same kind of character, the, the straight man, but he's, but he's up against, yeah, he's kind else. of a psychopath. He's like kind of a psychopath in, um, in the, in the house. And apparently that's kind of what his character is like in tag. He's like the, this guy who takes this tag game super seriously, super seriously. And is a bit of a psychopath about it. And he's never been caught. And uh, he's never been tagged in the history of the game. And that's what the tag is about. It's like trying to get him um, finally. Right. Um, and I'll have to check that out. I need to watch the house. I was going to watch it on a plane on like one of these multiple trips I've been on, but it said it was like edited for content. And so I'm like, I'm not going right, to, right. I'll watch it. I watched some it. Other time. <laughs> it was on HBO for free one night and, and uh, I watched it for something to do. And, uh, I'm so glad I did, and I'm so regretful that I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's so it's so good, so bad. It's like it's awesome. It's I terrible. you've sold me on it. That's that's a pretty good combo, and I'm all for it. Um, well, since we're we're diving into Will Ferrell comedies that nobody saw, with this conversation might be winding down. Do you have any other final Ant Man thoughts before I swing our listeners into the next segment? No, but I can say this at least that is that. I had a game plan the whole time and Will Ferrell generally works with Adam McKay and Adam McKay wrote um, one of the first drafts of Ant-Man. So that's how we tied this all back together. Oh, that's right. He is a credited writer on the first one. Awesome. Well, thank you for logging on and chatting. I, I know we, we thought we would keep it brief, but we uh, we actually had a lot more to say than, than we thought we did. We always, so. we always have a lot to say. Hello and welcome to the back half of this episode. Uh, I'm joined by Jenny Nolf, as as I mentioned at the top of the episode. How are you doing today, Jenny? I'm okay. You're okay. <laughs> well, ho- ho- hopefully, you'll be more okay after our discussion. We'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but as I mentioned in the top of the episode, we're we're trying to do some different things over with the playlist podcast to break our mold and and not have to just uh, stick to traditional reviews uh and news stories so uh we're gonna do this top five top five insect movies or movies that have a heavy insect influence i i may have cheated a little bit i don't know about you but um i might have <laughs> <laughs> might have cheated um, in my choices i mean so when you define insect movies google likes to define it in a different way and you know what maybe i cheated but i did it for the better of the movie right well there uh like when i thought this would be a fun top five and and i pitched it to you and you're like yeah i'll 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 be on board it like i mean i think we both did a google search and a lot of them are like movies like them or like godzilla versus mothra mothra mantra mothra something like that um i'm not i'm not as fluent in kaiju movies so um someone might get mad at me for that but uh (laughs) i i apologize but um but it's like but like giant like monster movies like there was a lot of those type of movies which admittedly is a blind spot for me 
Um, so I just kind of picked things that uh, that I had seen that were very, very heavy uh, on insect related. So I figured with Ant-Man and the Wasp that this would be a fun tie-in, um, which you have not seen yet, correct? No, I am not fortunate enough to go to a screening of it, but I will eventually see it. I don't know if I'll eventually see it. I didn't even like the first one that much, which, spoiler alert, it's not on my list. So. <laughs> it's not. Neither neither movie is on my list. Um, but I could say, I mean, if I mean, if you're listening to this episode, you've you've heard my thoughts on the movie. I, I think it's a much better movie than the second one. And your guy Randall Park is in it and he's one of the best things in it. So you kind of have to see it just for that. I guess I do have to support my man you from do. Fresh Off the Boat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I guess without further ado, I'll pass the honors to you. Uh, so we're going to count down our five insect movies. Um, so we'll start with you. What's your number five? So my number five might be on your list. I hope it's on your list. Ugh, this is actually stressful. Uh, it is 2007's The Mist, not to be confused with the TV show. It is on my list. It's my number three. Oh, God. All right. All right, so should we discuss it now or discuss it at three? Let's just do it now. Why not? We'll skip over my three when we get there. So I, we make the rules. We can do whatever we want here. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, this is your number five pick. So why don't, why don't you dive into it? All right. Well, I when I first saw The Mist, I was disappointed, as is everyone else was. Um, so much hype around it. but And the hype did not quite reach the levels of what I wanted it to be. But I have watched the movie since a few times, and oh man, that ending just gets me. So brutal. If you have not seen The Mist, spoiler warning, but I love the fact that the ending, like, they kill everyone. Like, the bugs didn't even kill them. It's the people. And then when the, uh, I mean, this is a decade-old movie at this point, and also a book, so I don't feel bad. But, like, when the police or the army, like, car goes by... And then the guy is like, oh, fuck, I killed my entire family. Oh, God, it's it's <laughs> it's it's devastating. And and it's like, you know, kind of like the best horror movies where it's like the creatures are almost like they're there and there's creature mayhem and there's, uh you know, all that stuff. But it's like it's kind of irrelevant because it's basically about humanity and how humanity can quickly uh turn on each other and and like you know dog eat dog and completely just like like a switch just completely turn on one another uh as we see in the movie with like like especially marcia gay harden's character who's just she's great in the movie but she's the absolute worst at the same time um yes Ah. (laughs) <laughs> but it's you know just like the you know the little like factions form within the like and people just completely changes their perspective on one another and and again like the monsters are there but they just basically bring out the the bad in the people who like they're trying to hide it but it just brings out the worst in humanity like you know i'm thinking night of the living dead i'm thinking movies like that where it's just like the the monster is almost irrelevant because the people are so much worse yeah which is why I think The Mist is really good and why I think it felt disappointing when I first watched it when I was younger, um, mainly because I expected like this great, and it is an insect movie, clearly, because it's on our list. Oh, yes. But I expected some great like monster movie where there was going to be a lot of action and then it just ended up being this kind of like single location horror film that was about the people. And at first that didn't, yeah, younger me did not care for that as much, but an older me appreciated that more. Absolutely. And yes, yeah, as we should point out, like, I mean, there's all kinds of monsters in this movie, but specifically a sequence with a spider. 
and spiders is one of the most terrifying sequences I think I've seen in um, maybe ever, but I also hate spiders. So that's, that's a given. That is true. Spiders are the worst. Um, there's also with those, I don't know, remember what kind of flying insects they were, but the flying insects are also very scary in this movie. Oh yeah. Well, especially that one uh, moment that's like a, uh, it, it's like a Spielbergian moment almost where they have the, the torch and then the bug uh, lands on the, the window and it's very like, uh, oh, cool. Like they're kind of an odd by it. And then the other bugs start ramming the window and start trying to break the window. And it's like, oh, shit, it's about to go down in here. <laughs> and it's terrifying. Turn off all the lights. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. That's like, that's the thing, too, is like this movie for being two hours long and sustaining that tension in pretty much a single location. Like most of the movie takes place in the supermarket. Like, you think that the movie would maybe run out of gas at some point, and it never does. Like, the tension just continues to ramp up until it ends in this, you know, as you already mentioned, this, like, anticlimax that's, like, gut-punching. Yeah. It's just, it's really good stuff. It's really good, yeah. Well, as as I was making this list and trying to, to figure it out... Uh, my wife was like, what's that movie we watched that had the giant spider in it? And I was like, oh, you mean The Mist? She's like, yes. And I was like, yeah, I did end up going with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I actually almost kept it off my list. There was an option to put something else. So I, I'm glad I did, and I'm glad it crossed over. Because actually, you know what? To be fair, I would have felt bad if, like, I didn't put a horror movie on this list, mainly because horror movies are so good. And I... Yeah, oh, they're my favorite genre, obviously. But um, me too. Yeah, I would have felt like I abandoned my genre if I didn't put this one on my list, even though it was like neck and neck with another one. I mean, moderate spoilers for the lists coming up here, but uh, three of my five are horror movies, including The Mist. So there's Ooh. that. I am shocked. Like I realized I didn't watch as many. Like we said this before, but I realized I didn't watch as many like bug movies, like horror movies, as I thought I had. Yeah, I th- I was expecting much more uh, myself as well, and I was like, oh, this was actually much more difficult to to do. Um, but my my number five is also a horror movie. Um, I don't know if it's one you've seen or not, um, but uh, I, I'll throw it out here anyway. It's a uh, phenomena, the nineteen eighty five uh, Dario Argento movie. Have you seen it? No. Oh, I've only seen one Argento, and you know which one that is. I do know which one that is, and uh, I'm gonna read the plot synopsis from imdb for this because this movie it's insane and i feel like the uh the uh description is much better than i could figure out what was happening in this movie (laughs) but it's uh, a young girl with an amazing ability to communicate with insects is transformed to an exclusive swiss boarding school where her unusual capability might help her solve a string of murders uh jennifer Connolly plays the lead in this movie uh donald pleasance is also in it um i like this movie it's not my favorite argento um but i i wanted to give it a little bit of love on this podcast it's it's like um it's kind of like how i feel about the fog in john carpenter's filmography where it's my least favorite uh, of his peak movies of argento's but it's still one of his peak movies and so therefore it's still worth watching but he also has this thing where he likes to kind of remake his own movie um and i feel like phenomena's is to a degree like baseline similarities like a little bit similar like too similar to suspiria um uh, but yeah, not... cause you mentioned 
boarding school and and i was like okay yes well and like deep red's the same way like i love deep red but it's like uh i mean it's very it's a more looser and less restrained version of bird with the crystal plumage so it's like he has this tendency to sort of like loose remake his own movies De palma does that too but that that's for another day um but i think this movie like in the argento way it's it's like it's pretty crazy it's moody goblin did the score for this movie as well um but it's also weirdly juxtaposed with like they use flash of the blade by iron maiden twice in this movie um which i'm kind of conflicted by because i love iron maiden but also like the heavy metal doesn't quite work with like the prog rock like uh, atmospheric score that goblin goes for so it's kind of weird um but i think jennifer Connolly's really good in it i think donald pleasance is really good in it and there's definitely some crazy shit that happens in the movie so uh like i said it's not my favorite argento but i think it's at least worth noting and that's why it's on this list well i i want to see more argento movies i'm not gonna lie i like i love suspiria to the point where i feel like i should watch more argento movies but i've also heard that it's possibly his best but now you've convinced me i need to watch the bug one (laughs) Well, the bug one, but I'd also, I'd start from the beginning. I'd start with, like, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and then Cat of Nine Tails, Deep Red, um, uh, Opera, I would recommend as well. Um, like I said, Phenomena's good. It's not his best, but, um, I mean, I think Suspiria is definitely, like, probably his top movie, but uh, he's made a lot of other uh, great movies as well. Start from the top and go from there. Exactly. <laughs> well, what about you? What's your number four? Well... This was one where I Googled it and I thought, oh, that technically is a bug movie. And trust me, I have a lot of stretches. <laughs> uh, but it's Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, uh, the Hayao Miyazaki movie, which I'm pretty sure you have not seen. I have not. You are correct. <laughs> All right. So the stretch is, is that the creatures in this movie, they're like these giant insect-like creatures that live in a forest. So I was like, well, they're insects. Like, they look like them. They act like them they are insects um the movie is about a princess who is trying to prevent a warring two nations and also like because these warring two nations are destroying the planet which a lot of miyazaki's films kind of revolve around this like humanity and guns and like fighting has kind of ruined uh our earth and this movie is a lot about that, uh, but the bug-like creatures in this film are so cool. They're, like, kind of these giant uh, roly-poly creatures. They have these, like, glowy eyes. They live in this, like, forest, um, and a lot of the movie, the humans don't really trust these creatures. They're kind of, like, dumb-ish and can harm people. Um but in the end, she ends up using them, like to kind of like help the nations stop. Damn, I yeah, I have not even heard of this movie. Um, it's one it, of his earlier it, ones. Uh, it's what one of his earlier ones? It's, yeah, it's one of his earlier ones. Uh, but it's it's really 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 cool. Um, obviously, like I think what's really cool is a lot of his movies are very post World War II involved, and they're there's a huge commentary on them. And I think that for children's movies, they're very smart. This one I think was, uh, adapted from an actual manga. It could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is one of the few that was. Interesting. Yes, it was adapted from a sci-fi manga of the same name. 
I'm looking it up now. <laughs> All right. Well, I will. I will have to check that one out. Um, that that's definitely a Miyazaki movie I have not seen. Um, so I will have to to brush up with that. Yeah, it's really really good. Nice. Well, my number four uh, is also an animated movie. Um, when I was first making this list, I'm like, well, I have to have an animated movie. And then came the 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 bizarre existential question of, do you go with a bug's life or do you go with ants? And I'm like, well, I don't remember enough about either of those movies to really make a compelling case. So I went with a completely different animated movie. And my number four is James and the Giant Peach. Oh, my God. I almost put that on the list. That was the one I was like so like torn about and conflicted about when I was like doing the mist. I was like, do I go for my love of stop motion animation? And Danny Elfman, or no, Danny Elfman's not the Randy Newman, sorry. Henry Selleck. And Henry Selleck, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I went I with, I went with it. <laughs> I went ah. for it. Um, no, this movie, I love this movie, and I haven't seen it in a very long time, and I need to uh, revisit it. It's, it actually, like, scared the crap out of me when I was a kid, um, believe it or not. I, I think, like, the first, like, turn to the, like, stop motion, like, really, really, like, freaked me out, but... Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's it's delightful. It's colorful. I'm also a huge uh, Roald Dahl fan, so I'm always down for a good adaptation of a Roald Dahl book. And um, yeah, I mean the the animation is it's Henry Selleck, like it's great. What a guy that doesn't get work anymore at all. <laughs> no, which is weird. I mean, you would think between uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and uh, he did Coraline too, right? Yeah, that With was a. Life- yeah, and that was a pretty successful movie. It's it's strange to me that he doesn't seem to be getting work. I know this movie, I remember seeing this in the theater, uh, in my small hometown theater, one screen, like, legit picture house theater. Um, but I was looking, and obviously as a kid, you don't pay attention to these things, but, like, this movie did not do well when it came out. Um, it was like hey, a... I remember actually seeing it, though. You remember seeing it? Yeah. Yeah, I I saw it too, but it uh thirty eight million dollar budget made twenty eight point nine million, um which makes sense. Stop motion, there always seems to be a like it never breaks out. It always seems to be more niche than anything. Um, but I think this is a very good one, and um, I need to revisit it again. But if you're listening and you haven't seen this movie in a very long time, like I highly recommend giving it another shot because it's it's good. It is good. So the soundtrack, I love it. Um, I think it's one of the first. It's easy. I want to say it's the first one Randy Newman did with Disney, because then this is before Toy Story. No, so it has to been. It was a year after Toy Story. A year so, after. Yeah. Okay, so this is the first one where he did the full soundtrack. That sure, maybe, sure. Okay, it's the second one, but. <laughs> I, my name is James, like one of the saddest Disney songs ever written. Yes. Probably. Where he's talking about like, oh, I just long to be somewhere else and not with my abusive aunts. <laughs> right. Oh, so good. And then family is kind of like, it has this mixture of happiness, but also sadness. It's a really good bug movie. It's a really good what movie? bug movie it is a good bug movie there's i mean nice like the spider's not scary no they're 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 and they populate most of this movie so i'm like it's 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 bug enough there's enough bug in this movie that it that it makes it on the list i think you are correct because it was definitely in my like well i could do this one or the mist so i get you i'm on your level (laughs) we're there we're there um well what what about yeah jesus can't talk um 
What about your number three? So my number three, and this is, I'm, I might not remember all of this movie because I saw it like I think four or five years ago at this point, but I knew when I realized that the giant creatures in this movie are kind of cockroachish and there are cockroaches in this movie that I had to put naked lunch. Oh, and <laughs> directed by David Cronenberg. This is a super embarrassing blind spot for me. I have not seen naked. It's like one of the, I think one of the like two Cronenberg movies I haven't seen or three, but st- three, but still. God, that's, that's, you know, you're doing pretty okay if you haven't seen three Cronenberg movies. <laughs> I know it's this Fast Company and Existence, I think, are the three I haven't seen. Because, um, like, the I... one, uh, what's his name? Jude Law. Is it no, Jude? no, no, no. Uh, not... Jude... Jude Law might be in it. I'm thinking the guy that he uses all the time, though, that voiced Scar. Like... Oh, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Is he an existence? I don't know. I again, I haven't seen it. It's a blind spot. <laughs> um, my friend, so my old roommate in college took a Cronenberg class, and she told me about every single movie that she had to watch in it, and that was one where she was like, and then Scar was in it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I mean that 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 would make sense. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen Naked Lunch, uh, sadly, and it's it's on. I mean, I probably should just the Criterion sales going on. I probably should just pick it up. <laughs> one of these days I would recommend it because this movie is really good so fucking weird uh it's about it so it's adapted from the novel by william s burroughs um which i have not read I but i heard that the movie is very different because uh, cronenberg and so basically it's about a guy who like after a, a, like developing an addiction he you from a substance that's used to kill bugs like cockroaches uh he accidentally like and, and there's like a, a part where the an exterminator kills his wife and then he becomes like involved in some secret government plot. And then he like the entire time it thinks he sees like his, his typewriter is like a cockroach half the time. And he like talks to these alien, like buggy creatures. It's a fucking weird movie. I mean, I would expect no less from, from David Cronenberg. Uh, yeah. Especially- I like, Oh, oh, I was going to say, especially that era of of David Cronenberg. Yeah, this is one of those movies where I'm like very surprised it was made, especially since, from what I understand, it is nothing like the book, and I can't believe like people let him keep going. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, S. Burroughs' work has been. I mean, like Clockwork Orange is vastly different uh, movie from book. To my knowledge, I haven't read the book, but I I've been told like that movie is vastly different too. Yeah, this, this movie is just so fucking strange that I just don't believe... Like, I was shocked. I, I had never seen it until my, my friend, re- like, lent me the movie and was like, you're gonna love this. And then I'm watching Cockroaches as, like, typewriters. I don't know if I love it, but it's definitely kind of fucking creepy. <laughs> totally. Well, weren't we weren't we going to do... I think it, like, ultimately fell through because there wasn't enough time, but we were gonna do, like, a, a Cronenberg retrospective back, back in the Gotcha Movies days. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, when I tried to like assign forty Cronenberg movies to people, and then everyone was like, "Are you insane?" They're like, "No, we're not doing that." And I'm like, "Okay, the fine." No, I'm not every single one, Jenny. And I was like, "Fine." But I, <laughs> I watched it. Yeah, I, you you watched yours. I I watched. There were a couple. Like I watched Stereo, his first movie, which is on the um, Criterion of Scanners, uh, I believe. Um, and then I got, I watched a couple others I hadn't seen, but. Um, 
Yeah, this is the, again. This is kind of an embarrassing blind spot because he's one of my favorite filmmakers, and I have not seen this movie. But um, I hope to rectify that very soon. Yeah, definitely. It's it's something I've considered watching it again. I rarely consider rewatching movies, and this is also one where it's like fucking weird enough that I think I would call it a sci-fi movie, like a sci-fi kind of drama, but. It also has, like, bugs are fucking creepy. There are horror elements to this movie. And the aliens are weird. <laughs> nice. Well, again, I'll have to... I can't wait to rectify that uh, and, and watch it. Um, yeah, it's a studio movie, too. I actually just Googled it, and it's one of the first articles popped up was In Praise of Naked Lunch, the weirdest studio film ever made. So, hey. <laughs> hey, fair enough. <laughs> you could uh, probably never make this movie again <laughs> no probably not 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 from a studio like there's no oh, way um, it would be like uh no we're not doing the cockroach typewriter movie yes no for sure <laughs> <laughs> i mean they've tried i mean there's been some weird studio movies as of late like where you're like how did this get made in this climate like i know it's not a movie you love but like cure for wellness is like kind of that where you're like how how did this movie get made? I mean, I guess Pirates of the Caribbean money is how that movie got made, but you know, still, yeah. but anyway, I digress. Like uh, I was watching Frango the other day since you digressed. Like I kept thinking, wow, this is a really fucking weird animated movie. Uh, Rango's so good. These pirates movies just gave him money. <laughs> Does did, uh, Rango has bugs in it, right? Should we, should we have considered that? I don't remember if it, does or if it's just more like desert creatures but well i rewatched it and i thought i was hoping there were bugs there were no bugs Damn it. Really. i uh, mean he eats a bug once in a while but it, it's a lizard of and course. like a possum and like a snake and yeah and bird mostly those kinds of it's mammals and reptiles <laughs> right no for sure so sadly does not qualify um so my number three was the mist so i i'll hop on to my number two if you don't mind I do not mind. Uh, my number two is Matinee, uh, the 1993 film directed by Joe Dante. Have you have you seen Matinee? No. It's, I mean, I know you and I are both huge fans of Gremlins, and specifically Gremlins 2, but I think Matinee might be Dude, Joe. I almost considered it because uh, of a spider gremlin. But gremlin, <laughs> yes. But I think Matinee might be Joe Dante's best movie. Um it's oh, okay. it's set uh it's set in florida keys uh amidst the cuban missile crisis uh and it stars john goodman as a william castle type uh filmmaker producer and uh he's coming to town to promote his new movie mant which is half man half ant um and he's um it, the movie's in sensorama so it's basically like the the seats buzz and like there's smell o vision and all this this type of stuff and there's one of my favorite monologues in a movie uh, is this movie where John Goodman's character, uh, his name's Lawrence Woolley is the character's name. And he's talking to the the main kid in the movie and he's talking to him about the theatrical experience. He's like, um, you know, nothing like nothing beats it. He's like, you know, those lights go down and he's like, you're seated and and talks about like kind of how sacred that experience is. And he's talking about um they ask about like the gimmicks for this and he's like well he's like you know these these are dark times and and people aren't you know it's it's harder to get people to come to the movies so uh so like i have these gimmicks for this movie and it's it's just it's weirdly relevant i mean with like stuff like 40x which is like that garbage thing that apparently punches the back of your seat 
Uh, I've never seen a movie in 40X, but I, I've heard it's pretty bad. Um, but it's like, and, and you know, our current sort of like worldview, current climate, like it's, it's, we're in dark times and it's, it's, uh, and it's harder and harder to get people's attention to go to the movie. And, and I mean, there's so much competition too with streaming and whatnot, but like, um, that, that monologue from this movie has always really stuck with me. Um, and so like, I'm, I may be cheating a little bit, but the movie within the movie is about a half man, half ant who accidentally, who starts turning into an ant, like a giant ant. And so, I'm like, eh, I think this is uh I think there's enough insect or at least enough love for those type of B movies. Uh, a lot of the ones we talked at the top of this segment that we haven't seen. Um, <laughs> but I think there's enough love for them and homage to them that I feel like this movie uh fits. Okay, I'll let it go because you'll see for my number one how much I I push the fact that it's an insect movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But um, I'm pretty sure my number two is your number one. Because if you haven't said it already, it has to be. You 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 probably know me pretty well, but I'm gonna I'm gonna can I can I take yes. a shot to take a yeah. guess? Is it the fly? It is the fly. Yeah, it's my number one. <laughs> I, <laughs> How'd you know? Bitched. <laughs> I was like, this is perfect because this is his number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we've been uh, friends for a long time or something. <laughs> I watched it with you past Halloween. I don't know. <laughs> yes, it's true. And that movie holds up incredibly well. Didn't I fall asleep and we had to watch it again in the morning because I fell asleep? No, that was Maybe. Beetlejuice. We didn't watch Beetlejuice again. That's probably it. Or it was Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't remember. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, exciting times on Halloween. She fell asleep watching movies twice. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, I guess, you know. <laughs> Halloween uh, was yeah. on like a Tuesday or something. Like who who I does know. that? It's probably gonna be on a Wednesday this year, like July fourth, make everything awful. Yeah. It's the worst. The but fly. anyway. But anyway, <laughs> the fly. Back to it. I'm shockingly had two Cronenberg movies on this. Not so shockingly, I guess. I love Cronenberg. I haven't seen all of his stuff like you have, but every movie I, I have seen of his I fucking love and adore. And the fly is no different. Um Yeah. It's good stuff. I knew that I would love it going in, and I did. You know how these things go. Uh, I think it's fascinating that it is a remake, and as from my understand, better than the original. Haven't watched the original, but um, and Jeff Goldblum, man, sexy as a bug. Who could ever even say that? <laughs> True, but let's all see. There's a point where he stops being sexy, but yes, I was about to say, where's where's the threshold here? I'm going to be really concerned. <laughs> Where, where it's at. Uh, it's when he's melting now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, that's when he stopped. Uh, but Gina Davis is great. It's a really fascinating movie, I feel, about, like, toxic masculinity. There's um, just a lot of really good stuff. Oh, yeah, a lot of lot of stuff about that. And it's it's a, like, you know, it's like a doomed fairy tale romance at the same time. Um, yeah. Like, very steeped in, like, old, like, frankenstein bride of frankenstein type of of movies um and like you said i knew you said jeff goldblum i was gonna chat out gina davis as well uh yeah. she's great uh john getz is good in this movie too which um which is no easy feat because that character could have been really easily underwritten uh i mean he's he's terrible like as a person but like um 
I don't know. They 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 do more with that character than like an average movie would have. Like they would have just made him like the clear villain, and uh, I feel like they make things a little bit more complicated. Um, yeah, because the... Goldblum's character, and that's the reason it's complicated, is because Jeff Goldblum's character also is kind of shitty at times. He is, yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, so is John Getz, but like you know, we're supposed to sympathize with Goldblum's character, and I mean, we do because of the unfortunate circumstances that befall him. But like, yeah, he's, he's just as bad and just as forceful um, as John gets is who still has the keys to Gina Davis's apartment, which is problematic, <laughs> but oh God, yeah, <laughs> it's how'd you like, get in here in this movie? Like, could she not find a better man? <laughs> right. I know. And she could, cause she's Gina Davis. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But and it's been a, it's an abortion scene, right? Sort of. No, it's the birth scene. Yeah, it, it's a it's a dream sequence. But yeah, the birth the birth scene that she she sees it as a as a fly, like a baby fly. Uh, it's terrifying. It really it's, is. It's gross. <laughs> it's the thing. This movie is like the stuff of nightmares, but it also but it has a huge like empathy for all the characters involved um while also being like super gross out and i actually haven't seen the original the fly i like i'll admit that that's another shameful um blind spot for me but like it's interesting that like this and i mean i guess this was a couple years after the fact but like i think of the thing as well as like like a great a remake that surpasses its original movie um you know kept thinking does the thing count as a bug movie but then i decided no no it's an eight i i, I thought the same thing too it's okay. <laughs> yeah i mean it takes the form of a bug at one point but it's eh, i i did it's like i don't know we didn't really have a good criteria for this other than just insect but i feel like all of our choices um at least have had like a good 40 percent bug ratio you know or something so like enough to qualify it yeah, I think so. Um, I definitely, before I say my number one, I thought, oh, Spider-Man 2, kind of, because Ant-Man, you know. Oh. Um, <laughs> insect movie. Uh, but, yeah, The Thing was one that I literally wrote in a note. Does The Thing count as an alien as an alien movie or a bug movie or both? <laughs> <laughs> I think and it's an alien movie. <laughs> Um, but no, the fly is, yeah, it's great. I, I, I was wondering if it was going to pop up on your list um as well and um it did timing yeah good timing <laughs> well i guess you know the cat's out of the bag on my number one so we'll go back to you what's what's your number one all right so this is the one where i was like okay there is a bug in this movie most of the time so therefore it is an insect movie it's pinocchio oh wow i <laughs> I'll give it to you. That's a, it's a bit of a stretch, but I'll give it to you. It is not that much of a stretch. Yeah. You did May. <laughs> now yeah, I don't feel as bad. True, true. But okay. I'll give you Jim- that. Jiminy yeah. Cricket. Yeah. <laughs> he is a bug. And I didn't think about this until I Googled it. And it was like best bug movies of all time. And then Pinocchio was like on a few of the lists. And I was like, oh my God, it's a bug movie. Like I literally have a Disney style Jiminy Cricket in my house. So yes bug in the movie is he a creepy crawly bug like ones of naked lunch or of the fly or of the mist no but he is definitely a bug and he is also your conscience yes <laughs> if bugs could be consciences it's jiminy cricket i don't know i thought it counted and you've seen pinocchio oh yeah yeah i've seen pinocchio it's been a 
years, <laughs> like, like 18 years probably. But yes, <laughs> I have seen Pinocchio. It is a good movie. I um actually have a print of it in my house outside the Disney cell. The print doesn't have Jiminy Cricket in it, though. It's unfortunate. But, yeah, what, what is better than Disney's Pinocchio, which also fucking weird movie, if yes. you've ever watched it again as an adult and thinking about it, where it's about a puppet kid, it's about a kid who just wants, a puppet who just wants to be a real boy. And he gets into a lot of hijinks. And this little cricket just keeps wanting to get him to do the right thing so he can become a real boy. But, uh, like, alcohol, liquor, donkeys, and the giant fox guy there's isn't that right like the guy's the fox uh you've probably seen it more recent than i have no i don't think he's a yes he is a giant fox uh yeah like just what what's going on in this movie oh and then the whale comes up out of nowhere um a lot of action a lot of excitement pinocchio very good movie insect movie <laughs> I, I need to rewatch it it's it's been years um but i i you know i know i, I always see it pop up on like the top of of the best Disney animated movies lists, and so it's one of those. I'm like, you know, I haven't seen Pinocchio in a very very long time. I should revisit it. Um, also, kept rewatching a lot of Star Trek: The Next Generation as of late, and Data is often referred to as Pinocchio because of his fascination with humanity and and wanting to be human. So I'm like, oh, maybe I should rewatch Pinocchio. So, but that's a good that's a good pick. I would have not never even thought of it considered it as, as a bug movie but yeah there's a bug in it for the majority of the movie yeah and, and he's a very good bug he is he just, he just wants pinocchio to wish upon a star <laughs> <laughs> um uh, before before we wrap this up did you have did you have any honorable mentions at all um like oh yeah oh i mean i already mentioned spider-man too that's a good point. Uh, but that one was more tricky than the first Spider-Man because technically he already has his powers. So the spiders aren't really involved, but he's a Spider-Man. That's true. I <laughs> guess that's fair. Uh, I considered arachnophobia, um, which seems like an obvious pick, but kind of similar with like I mentioned with like Bugs Life and Ants. It's been so long since I've seen arachnophobia that I feel like I couldn't really talk about it with any sort of authority. I've seen it. I just, I don't remember a whole lot about it. Um, right. Which is why I ended up keeping a bug life off my list. Cause while I liked that movie and I remember liking that movie, it just, I don't remember much from it except that it's the fact that it's a seven samurai. Oh, and a cricket's the villain. Yes. Interesting. Disney. Interesting choice. Voiced, voiced by <laughs> Kevin Spacey, which, you know, make of that as you will. <laughs> um, but um, I also consider Starship Troopers as well, um, okay. s- since the 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 uh, alien creatures are considered bugs, and the only good bug is a dead bug, and so I, I definitely considered it, but um, it just it just barely got edged out. You know which one I considered that was like it was very. It, I guess it wouldn't be a stretch, but it kind of is because there are no bugs really in it. Is bug? Oh yeah, the freaking movie. Right? Have you seen it? It's been a minute. It's like a, like a lot of these where I'm like, I've seen that movie. I don't remember enough about it, though, to, to discuss it. But In um, the, the days, there were no bugs. There they isn't, no. So I considered it. Because technically, I mean, the movie is called Bug. But... Yes, but there is no bugs. Um, 
Also, I don't like it as much as the movies that I listed, so that also helped. <laughs> no, it's definitely not one of my favorite uh, freaking movies either. I could also, I almost wanted to consider it as a gag, but I realize I've never seen it. Only the memes of the movie. B movie is definitely something that crossed my mind, but I don't movie. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, uh, which is crazy because I'm a big Jerry Seinfeld fan. You would have thought thought that I would at least given it a shot at some point, but I, I've never <laughs> seen it. Yeah, I can't think of. Oh, I did tell you about one that I was trying to think I could push, and then I was like, "No, Ryan will kill me if I put this on my list." What was it? The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "But the house is filled with bugs, and like that guy likes the moms." I mean, come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> movie. No, it doesn't I, count. I know, but I was thinking about it. I was, I was gonna try, but then I was like, "Yeah, Ryan, he will kill me." <laughs> it's You'll murder me in my sleep in austin somehow <laughs> somehow some way but no no it's i mean great movie obviously but no it's not a bug movie <laughs> um <laughs> but i mean i think i think we did a good job of like justifying these picks um you know however maybe out of left field they they might have been um i think we did okay um no has a bug in it <laughs> yes not ma- like a, the creatures are kind of buggish <laughs> yes maybe the next time we do a top five will be more prepared or it'll be a subject that we are can speak on with a little bit more authority you know what to be fair i feel like we were creative like and also would we have put something like uh that 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 that, the one that you mentioned at the beginning which i'm now like forgetting the title of it phenomena no uh the one that you said that you don't like giant you you haven't seen giant bug movies like them oh them yeah them the godzilla versus mothra type stuff i mean yeah and like at the end of the day maybe those movies are good maybe someone out there loves them i'm sorry if i'm offending you but i think that things like the fly and naked lunch aren't maybe of quality better oh (laughs) and yeah i mentioned two cronenberg movies back to back but so what (laughs) There can never be, there's no such thing as too much Cronenberg. Unless we're looking at some of the more recent stuff, then eh, maybe, but, (laughs) but still worth watching. Always still worth watching. You what? He needs to start working with those bugs again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get back to the body horror. No, 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 no. He should, he should keep doing whatever he wants to do. Um, The bug D horror. I'm trying. Oh, oh God. Are you proud of that? No. <laughs> <It> shouldn't be. <laughs> well, now that we're making really bad puns, it might be time to uh to start to uh wrap this up. So uh Jenny, where where can people find more of your work on online? Oh, good question, Ryan. Uh so you can find some of the stuff that I write at Austin Chronicle. I freelance for them. And even if you don't live in Austin, you can read it on the web. And then I also have a podcast myself called No Excuses, and it's where me and my co-host, we force each other to watch movies that we love. It's a good podcast. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's a good episode. I've been, or a good episode, excuse me, good podcast. I've I've been picking up with it, and um, it's been, it's been interesting. Ryan may or may not be a guest. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll definitely, we'll definitely see. Actually, I mean, spoiler, I'm on the list. It just might be a couple months, but. (laughs) um, You're on the list twice. (laughs) uh, Yes. Yeah. As of today, twice. Um, You can find my work 
here on the playlist uh podcast hosting podcast editing um occasional writing uh i got a review up for the first purge uh which you can go read it uh spoiler alert that movie's not very good but you should still read my review anyway um as always you can uh find us on the playlist podcast network you could subscribe to this podcast on itunes on stitcher on soundcloud or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, so be sure to subscribe to us and you'll get this show along with adjust your tracking over under movies four quadrant, uh, and all of our shows. Um, so be sure to do that. Leave us a comment or rating. If you're so inclined, uh, it'll help us know what we're doing right and what we can improve on. Um, but I have to thank you, Jenny. Thank you for guesting on the show. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I love guesting. Invite me more. <laughs> yes. No, no, you, you the door is always open whenever you want to come on and record. So always open. So thank you for getting on and thank you for our listeners and uh, we'll see you on the next episode.